I'm Julie Moran, and I am so thrilled to bring you my podcast, Limitless, Boldly Tackle Your Next Chapter. Today on my Limitless podcast, I'm speaking with Amy Morin, the editor-in-chief of Very Well Mind and the host of the Very Well Mind podcast. Her best-selling book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, has been translated into more than 20 languages, and her TED Talk, The Secret of Becoming Mentally Strong, has been viewed over 18 million times. If you want to learn about the destructive beliefs that make us less effective and rob us of our mental strength, then you have to listen to this interview. Hi, Amy. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I really love your podcast. You have such a wonderful tone and demeanor, and you immediately set me at ease. And your Friday Fix episodes, those quick 10-minute episodes, they are perfect for someone like me who's looking for quick and easy and practical advice on improving my mental well-being. So they're so useful, and they're so great. Thank you for those. You're welcome. Uh, We realized early on a lot of podcast listeners want actionable tips and they want them fast. So rather than giving a whole 60 minute or 90 minute episode, we thought, well, why don't we just cut to the chase? I'll give you some ideas for my therapy office strategies that I know work and then people can try them. And I love getting letters back from people who say, I experimented with this and here's what happened. It changed my life. So it's just a wonderful way for us to have an open dialogue as opposed to when I write books, I feel like I put content out there and it's tougher to, to get feedback from people in real time. I love those Friday fixes. And I'm, you know, I'm eager to hear your advice on how to become mentally stronger. But I first want to ask you about your journey. Back in 2013, you wrote an article titled 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. And it became a viral sensation that was read by over 50 million people. Why did you write that article? Well, most people thought I wrote it because I was a therapist and they thought, wow, it's, she's, she's learned this. She knows this stuff. She's mastered it. But what most people didn't know was I actually didn't mean to publish that letter. When I first wrote it, it was just a letter to myself about mm. some, of the, some of the things I wanted to avoid. I had lost my mom three years before that. And, uh, and then I had lost my husband um, wow. three years to the day that I lost my mom. I had lost my husband. And At the time that I wrote the letter, I was faced with uh, the loss of my father-in-law. He had cancer. Doctors had told us it was terminal and basically gave him a couple weeks left to live. And I just remember thinking, oh, I can't grieve any longer. I've lost so many people in my life. I didn't want to lose anybody else. Obviously, I didn't have a choice, though. And Mm -hmm. so as a therapist, I had learned a lot about mental strength over the years. And I wanted to say, okay, how do I be mentally strong? I didn't need a list of 101 things to do, but if I said, if I just write a list about what not to do, if I can just not do these certain bad habits today, maybe I'll be okay. So I wrote myself a letter about what mentally strong people don't do. When I was done, I happened to have 13 things on the list and I would read over it and I found it really helpful. So a few days later, I thought if this list helps me, maybe it would help somebody else it on the internet thinking maybe you know four or five people would would read it and hope that one would find it helpful I never imagined that 50 million people would read that article that is just truly amazing that that many people responded and that that many people were looking for things not to do and can you talk a little bit about what's on that list um I I want to know on this original list number two you say don't give away your power what do you mean by that 
I'm glad you asked. Out of all of the 13 things, that is the one that seems to resonate with people the most. It's really about saying, okay, I'm in control of how I think, feel, and behave. It's not up to anybody else to be in control of those things. But yet, so often, we give away our power by saying things like, my my mother-in-law makes me feel bad about myself, or my boss ruined my day. But the truth is, you're in control. It's up to you to decide what kind of day you're going to have, or how you're going to feel about yourself, what kind of mood you're going to be in, and just changing your language is a great way to start taking back that power. And instead of saying, I have to even go to the grocery store, I have to work late, remind yourself that those things are a choice. And when you remember that, okay, I'm an adult, I'm making choices all day, every day. If I'm not happy with something, I can either choose to live with it or I can choose to change it. I can choose to respond differently to it. When you really recognize that, you just feel empowered to say, okay, if I'm miserable in life, I have nobody to blame but myself. Yes, it's your choice. That's what I really got out of that. And in your TED Talk, which was so awesome, the the one that over 16 million views as of today, you said there were three kinds of destructive beliefs that make us less effective and rob us of our mental strength. Can you talk about those? Yeah, so it really boils down to the three beliefs are the beliefs about ourselves, about other people, and about the world in general. And all of the 13 things that I talk about that mentally strong people don't do can really be divided up into those three categories. When we have unhealthy beliefs about ourselves, it might be when we think, I'm not good enough. I'm not somebody who can succeed. I'll never get ahead in life. When you have those kinds of beliefs, then you do things directly from the list, like feel sorry for yourself or give away your power. And then the second one is when we have unhealthy beliefs about other people. This is when we believe that everybody's out to get us, nobody likes us, that uh, everybody's going to always hold us back, push us down. And when you really believe that everybody in the world is out to get you, obviously you'll develop some bad habits there too. Mm. And, uh, you know, it might be anything from trying to please people to in your attempt to make them happy to uh, shying away from uh, doing the things you want to do because you're molding yourself into something else. And then the third one is the unhealthy beliefs about the world. This is when we think uh, that just kind of the world is a dark, horrible, awful place and that there's no point that no matter what you do, uh, you're just never going to be able to succeed. You'll never find happiness. When you believe that, you'll stay stuck. Uh, I see people that shy away from change. They just end up, uh, you know, expecting things to happen fast. If they don't, they sort of chalk it up to, well, that's because you can't get ahead in this world or because nothing good ever happens. And when we look through the world through any of those lenses, when we have these unhealthy beliefs, and all of us have some unhealthy beliefs, but when you recognize what they are, you can start to change them, and the world starts to look a little differently. So, When you have unhealthy beliefs, nine good things might happen in the day and one bad thing, but you'll focus on that one bad thing. Or when you when you have unhealthy beliefs about yourself, every mistake you make, you'll just look at as more evidence that you're not good enough. And if you do something good, you'll think you'll chalk it up to luck. So it's really important to just take a step back sometimes and pay attention to what are my beliefs and how are they affecting the way that I see the world and then how I behave. Absolutely. And then you wrote a book, 13 Things Mentally Strong Women Don't Do. What made you write the book specifically for women? Well, after my first book came out, I had lots of questions from parents saying, how do we raise strong kids? So my second book was the parenting book. And after my parenting book came out, I had a lot of 
women reaching out to me saying, well, what does it look like to be a strong woman and how do we raise strong daughters? And the reason is when we talk about things like mental toughness, the examples that we often see are like Navy SEALs or they're elite athletes who are often men. And I admit, I probably did not do a good enough job in my first book of pointing out enough mentally strong women. And so I wanted to then write a book specifically for women to say, here's some examples, but also here are some of the pressures, the problems that women face that, that men are less likely to experience. Everything from gender norms to just the way that we uh, interpret things. So, for example, when we ask men and women to draw a picture of a leader, they almost always draw a man. And so you think, all right, how do we change that? And what kind of bad habits does that often uh, encourage women to engage in? And how do we give up those bad habits so that, and it's not to say that we need to act more like men, but it's just about recognizing the stress that and the strain that women face that men might not necessarily have to experience. I'm so glad you wrote that book for women. And of the 13, which ones seem to be the most difficult for women? I guess the one that people talk about the most is uh, that mentally strong women don't downplay their success. And this mm. is one that you know, even right down to compliments. When a woman gets a compliment, if somebody says, hey, I like your shoes, we're more likely to say, oh, I like your shoes and give that <laughs> feedback back. Or we are really quick to say, oh, these old things, I bought them on clearance and sort of minimize it. Or if somebody says you did a really good job in that meeting, we often want to give everybody else credit, even if they don't deserve it. Oh, it was a whole team effort. And it's really tough just to say thank you and acknowledge that we did put in hard work because we don't want to come across as arrogant or we don't want to come across like we um, like we know everything. But it's also affecting us in terms of right down to our LinkedIn profiles. When you look at how women talk about their experience compared to a man who has very similar experience, men tend to go to the one end of the experience spectrum where they brag about it and they might exaggerate their accomplishments but women downplay them they really say things like uh you know it, i did this for one year but they don't really talk about all the things they accomplished and so it's important sometimes just to recognize that it's okay to just say thank you when you get a compliment and it's okay to talk about the hard work and the effort that you put in to get to where you are today Absolutely. And chapter one, right off the bat, resonated with me. Mentally strong women don't compare themselves to other people. And that's what I find is so destructive when you go on Instagram, social media, Facebook, and you compare yourselves to other women out there. It's just, a, it's, it's no good. Yes. And interestingly, there's research that shows that if a woman goes on Instagram and she looks at another woman who looks like the ideal figure, we tend to think, oh, I could never be like that. She's better than I am. If a man were to go on social media and look at another man who maybe has the perfect looking physique, he's more likely to think, oh, hey, I could be like that someday. And it kind of motivates him. And so for women to know that comparing ourselves isn't, it's not fair. We're comparing apples to oranges, that our lives aren't like anybody else's. And they're especially not like somebody else's social media portrayal of their life. And so one of the things we can do is just remind ourselves that other people are opinion holders, but they're not our competitors. So you might look at somebody who does have a nice job or they have a great family and you might think, well, what knowledge or skills might that person have that I could learn from? And focus on learning from that person rather than directly trying to compete with them. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I sometimes, you know, worry um, 
about people looking at my Instagram account or my Facebook page, but they don't know. It may look beautiful, but they don't know that I was sexually abused as a child. I mean, you don't know what's behind the pretty pictures. So we can't compare ourselves to other people on social media. It just doesn't get us anywhere. Do you agree? Absolutely. And we tend to make up a story when we see somebody who, who looks attractive and they have had a successful life and they're talking about the fun things they do. We conclude in our heads that that person must have a charmed life, that they probably don't have any problems. They probably never had any problems and that we can't possibly ever be like that because we don't usually talk about our problems on social media. We don't necessarily share private things from our lives. And because of that, other people just usually see the best of what we have going on. And then they fill in the blanks of, oh, man, that person has a great life. Uh, And that's, again, why it's so important not to compare because we don't get the full story. Absolutely. You also say that mentally strong women don't blame themselves when something goes wrong. What do you mean by that? So it's important to take personal responsibility, but we find that so often with women, we engage in toxic self-blame. So when we mess up, instead of just thinking I made a bad choice, we think I'm a bad person. And it might be something as simple as you burned dinner or (laughs) you were 10 minutes late. We think, oh, I'm the worst person ever. And thinking like that makes it that we don't ever learn from our mistakes. Uh, We don't ever strive to become better. It just sort of solidifies. I can't do anything right. I shouldn't bother trying. I have no business putting myself out there again. And it affects how we behave, it affects how we perform, it affects how we feel about ourselves. So it's just so important to remember, how much responsibility do you actually bear in something? And we all do make mistakes, but yet sometimes we connect the dots in a really unhealthy way. For example, as a therapist, I worked with this woman whose sixth grader struggled with math, and she was convinced that she probably ate too much fish during her pregnancy, and that's why her sixth grader was struggling with math. She'd spent a long time just feeling really, really guilty about it and and thinking she was a bad mom. Wow. Highly doubt it was related to that, but that's just one example. But there's so many experiences of women who have just really taken on way too much blame or if they get abused, they think it's their fault. Or if a relationship ends, they take on way too much responsibility and say, it's all my fault rather than just taking enough responsibility to say, yeah, I messed up and here's what I'm going to do differently next time. Or just acknowledging sometimes that bad things happen to us, but it's not necessarily our fault that it happened. Such good advice. As I said earlier, I love your Friday fixes. Do you mind if I ask you about a few of those? Oh, that would be great. I like this one, how to find inner strength when you need it the most. What's the solution to that? So this one is really whenever you're going through a tough time in life, we often think I can't handle this. I can't go through this. I'm not strong enough. But the truth is you've been through tough times before and you can get through a tough time again. And the number one thing that you can do to reduce your distress, and there's research behind this about what makes people get through tough times better than others is your belief in yourself. Just knowing I can get through this makes a huge difference in how stressed out you feel as you're going through something tough. And it might be that you've lost a job or you're dealing with a a fallout of the pandemic or you're struggling with a relationship issue or maybe a health problem. If you think I can't handle this, I can't get through this, this is too much stuff for me to handle, your stress level goes up and the more stressed you are, the harder it is to get through it. But if you just remind yourself, what's a tough time I went through before? 
Maybe you got bullied as a kid. Maybe you lost a job once before and you survived or you went through a divorce. And just reminding yourself, how did I get through it before? Spending a few minutes, maybe two or three minutes thinking, all right, what did I get through before and how did I do it? Will help you feel like, okay, I can get through this too. And the more that you do that, the better off you'll be and the more prepared you'll be to get through tough times again. I love that. You need to remember the previous tough times when you have survived and you know, I, okay, I, I went through a tough time. I survived. I can do this. Yeah, it's as simple as that. And all of us, again, have been through tough times, you know, in childhood or even in our other phases of our adulthood. Just remind yourself, I've been through tough times before. I can get through this again. All right. Another problem on, I heard this one on one of your Friday fixes, which I love stop overthinking and feel better fast. What is the solution for that? Yeah. Overthinking is tough. So there's a couple different ways we might overthink. We might uh, ruminate and rehash something that already happened, a conversation that happened yesterday that didn't go well, or maybe it's something that happened 10 years ago and you keep replaying it over and over and or maybe it's something in the future. Sometimes we worry about things we can't control. We make these catastrophic predictions. And because of that, we uh, don't take any action. We just get stuck. So one of the best solutions to this is to change the channel in your brain. When you catch yourself dwelling on a problem, ruminating on something you can't change, uh, catch yourself. We tend to think that uh, the longer and the harder we think about a problem, the better off we'll be, that we'll come up with a better solution. There's actually no evidence about that. It's kind of to the contrary. Mm. When you take a break from something, your brain actually can kind of work on it in the background. That's why a great idea might come to you in the shower or why when you sleep on a problem the next day, sometimes the solution seems obvious. It's because your brain kind of figured it out in the background because you gave it a rest. So to change the channel in your brain, you might do anything from uh, getting up and doing a quick chore. You might give yourself a, a task. It could be a crossword puzzle or a physical puzzle to do. Maybe you go outside and just change your location. But you don't want to just allow yourself to sit and think and dwell. If you can change the channel in your brain so that you can feel better, your solutions will probably come to you much easier and you won't end up thinking so much and so hard and so long that you just can't see your way out of it. I love the polar bear example. Can you can you break that down for us? Yes. So I often do this exercise when I'm speaking to groups in person. But I tell people for the next 60 seconds, I want you to think about white bears. White bears, white bears, white bears. So people are imagining polar bears, stuffed animal white bears, just white bears. And then I'll say, okay, stop. And then for the next 60 seconds, think about anything you want. Just don't think about white bears. I get them, set the timer. And then when that time is up, I'll say, okay, I'm going to give you one more experiment and I'll have them do something silly. It might be, see how many times you can write your name with your non-dominant hand in the next 60 seconds, or see how many times you can go through the alphabet backwards, just some kind of little thing uh, to get them going. And at the end of that, I'll ask everybody, what, uh, when I asked you to think about white bears, how many of you could, and of course, everybody's hand goes up, Great. And I said, how about the second time when I said, think about anything you want, but don't think about white bears. How many people had at least one white bear pop up <laughs> into their heads? And of course, almost all the hands go up. And then I'll say, how about when I gave you this exercise? If I said, write your name backwards in your non-dominant hand, how many of you thought about a white bear? 
And usually no hands go up because people were distracted because they changed the channel in their brains because we do this thing where like, let's say you had a bad day at work and you, at the end of your day, you think, well, just don't think about that. The more you tell yourself not to think about it, the more you'll actually think about it, which is the second part of the experiment. We're just really bad at saying, don't think about it. But if you can distract yourself with an activity, sometimes it could be something physical. It might just be talking to a friend about a completely different subject. But distracting yourself with something for a few minutes is really the key to actually changing a channel in your brain rather than just saying, don't think about that. That is such good advice. And can you talk about the three parts of mental strength, thoughts, emotion, and behavior? Yeah, sometimes people get get those things mixed up. They think that acting tough is being strong. And so that's a a misconception I try to try to work on because just because you don't cry doesn't mean you're you're a strong person. So to break it down, the thoughts part is really about how do you think realistically? It's not about being overly positive or thinking you you can do anything in the world. Sometimes it's about acknowledging how weaknesses, I can't do everything and that's okay. And then the emotional part is about not being happy all the time. It's about being able to embrace uncomfortable feelings too sadness, embarrassment, disappointment, fear, and knowing that you don't necessarily have to stay stuck in those feelings, though. You have some power to shift how you feel when it's not serving you well. And that it takes strength to express your emotions. Somebody might say, that person's really strong because they didn't cry at a funeral. That's not necessarily strength. Sometimes it takes more strength to display your emotions than it does to suppress them. And then the third part is about our behavior. It's the actions that we take in life. Because it's one thing to, to think about great things, but unless you actually go out and do those things, uh, it doesn't really matter that much. So sometimes this is about motivating yourself to take action when you don't feel like it. Sometimes it's about facing some of your fears, about putting yourself out there. Absolutely. And Amy, we're almost out of time. I want to ask you one last question. If you had to sum up everything we've talked about today, and if you've already said it, that's okay. What would you say is the best way to become a mentally strong person? So the best strategy is to just figure out what are my worst habits and how do I get rid of them, which is why I talk about what mentally strong people don't do. There's tons of exercises that you can use to build mental strength. But sometimes we add more things to our to-do list and we feel so overwhelmed we don't get to any of them. It just takes one counterproductive bad habit to hold you back. Similar to the way if you wanted to become physically fit and you go to the gym, you might run on the treadmill. That will help you get in better shape. But if you really want to see results, you should stop eating so many jelly donuts. (laughs) And so mental strength is the same. You want to build mental muscle, but at the same time, get rid of those unhealthy habits. If you just take the unhealthiest thing off of your list, your good habits become much more effective. You know, I can't tell you, you're going to resonate with my listeners in such a huge way. And I want to remind my listeners to listen to the Very Mind podcast. Your podcast is so amazing. Your Friday fixes, all of your books. Amy, I just tell you, you're you're putting amazing things out in the universe. And for that, I thank you. I'm a Moran. You're a Marin. <laughs> so um, um, I just really appreciate you joining us today. And, and thank you for what you're doing. Don't stop because you are really, really, you're knocking it out of the park. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thanks so much for joining me on Limitless Boldly Tackle Your Next Chapter. 
Subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know when new episodes drop. You can also keep up with me on Instagram at It's Me Julie Moran. Stay bold, everybody.